Welcome to Talks with T-Time, the podcast. I am your host, Tony T-Time West. And on this podcast, we talk sports, we talk real life events, and man, honestly, we just have fun. Listen, for the next 45 minutes to an hour, I need you to sit back, relax, grab a drink, do whatever you got to do, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Talks with T-Time, the podcast. up you guys it's your boy tony t time west back at it again with another episode of talks with t time the podcast man i believe we're on episode 11 now 11 or 12 man in season four man i appreciate you guys love and support if you don't already man follow us at talks with t time the podcast uh on ig and then follow us as well on twitter at talks with t time p1 and you can follow my regular socials as well at AO underscore T time now, man. Appreciate you guys' love and support. And man, let's have some fun, man. Let's go ahead and jump in everything, man. Appreciate you guys coming back, tuning in with us tonight, man. I want to go ahead and kind of go over what we're going to be talking about tonight, kind of give y'all a breakdown. Y'all know how we do, man. We've been doing this for almost two years now. Here's the breakdown. We're going to talk about the NFC and AFC playoffs that are going to take place this week. We'll talk about the divisional round last week as well. We'll talk about, you know, like I just said, the games that are coming up this weekend, preparing for those, what my predictions are, so on and so forth. We'll talk about that a little bit. Also, as well, we're going to talk a little about this Deshaun Watson mania that's going on right now all over the NFL, some of the latest NFL news, and then we'll go ahead and jump into the Ain't Worth a Nothing Award. Um, so we'll go ahead and jump into that as well, um, as I just stated uh, at the last part. A lot of y'all hit me up and told me y'all enjoyed that segment so we're gonna bring it back so we'll do that and let's just have some fun man tonight so let's go ahead and jump into the divisionals from last week um let's go ahead and jump into some of those games here like i said i won't go over too much of it just kind of a breakdown of everything so the first game of the weekend was the green bay packers um taking on the la rams green bay won that game 32 32- 218. Um, in that game, Aaron Rodgers continues to put on MVP type MVP type numbers. He went 22 for 36, 296 yards, two touchdowns. Aaron Jones also ran for 14 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Also, as well, um, uh, Lazard had eight receptions um, for 96 yards, and Devontae Adams also as well had nine receptions for 66 yards. Um, on the Ram side of the ball, we had you know, Jared Goff, he went 21 for 27, 174 yards, one touchdown. He has been struggling with that, you know, thumb injury. Cam Akers did have 18 carries for 90 yards. And then uh, Reynolds had three receptions for 65 yards. Um, and Robert Woods was pretty quiet, actually, in this game because Cooper Cup did not play in this game. Um, he had eight receptions for 48 yards. So, uh, jumping into this game, this is kind of what I predicted. You know what I'm saying? I told y'all last week. This game was pretty much probably going to be a blowout. And, I mean, that's basically for the most part what it was. It was a blowout. Um, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP so far of this league this year. Um, I mean, it's really between him and Mahomes at this point. Um, And, yeah, this is kind of what was expected. So, to me, this is not really a shocker. 
The game that was a little bit of a shocker to me was the Bills versus the Ravens last week. Y'all remember I took the Ravens to upset the Bills, but that did not take place. Let's go over the stats here. Ravens, quarterback Lamar Jackson, he had 14 for 2,462 yards, no touchdowns and interception. Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins both had 10 uh, carries for 42 yards. And then Lamar Jackson also as well carried the ball nine times for 34 yards. Marquise Hollywood Brown, he's really came on strong in the last couple weeks. He had four receptions for 87 yards. And on the Buffalo side of things on the offense, Josh Allen went 23 for 37, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Uh, Devin Singletary led in rushing with seven carries for 25 yards. And then Diggs continued to perform at a very high level. He had eight receptions, 406 yards, and then Jerron Brown also as well had um, eight receptions for 62 yards. Um, I mean, credit to, you know, the Buffalo Bills defense. That defense is the truth. Winning that game 17-3 um, over the Ravens. I mean, they just couldn't get anything going on offense. That's just really what it was. But I will say this, though. I don't think this game or this L was on Lamar Jackson. Yes, he did throw a pick six. Yes, that did kind of take a 14-point swing. But a lot of his teammates let him down in that game as well. Um, a lot of drop balls, things such as that. Defensive breakdown, stuff like that. Running the ball was an issue all night. Um, really, you know, they really predicated on stopping the run in that game. And there was really nothing that the Ravens could do, man. They're based off the run. I really want Greg Roman to quit calling this archaic offense. Like, just open it up, man. Put some faith in Lamar Jackson. I don't think there's enough faith in Lamar Jackson in that franchise. Obviously, He's coming up on a contract extension probably soon. So we'll see how that works out. But it just doesn't seem like they have a lot of faith in Mr. Jackson, in my opinion. Uh, next, we talk about probably the most exciting game of the weekend was the Cleveland Browns versus the Kansas City Chiefs when Mahomes went out, you know, after the concussion situation. Looks like he's going to play this week as well, which we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, they won that game 22-17. I honestly thought, I'm going to be completely real with y'all, Besides two or three plays, I thought Cleveland was the better team in that game, honestly. They played better. But then again, you got to, you know, put in Patrick Mahomes was hurt and stuff like that. But if, you know, my guy doesn't fumble the ball at the end zone, that's a whole – and they went down and scored three points. That was a whole ten-point swing right there, um, right before halftime. That changed the game. Um, and also as well, when Mahomes got hurt, Baker Mayfield's wide receivers and tight ends kind of let him down. And defensively, they let him down, especially de probably defensively more than anything. They let Baker Mayfield down. Baker Mayfield, to me, had a decent game. He went 23 for 37, 204 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Nick Chubb went 13 uh, carries for 69 yards. Also as well, Kareem Hunt got a touchdown in at his former team, six carries for 32 yards. Higgins is the guy who actually fumbled the ball, but he actually is the one who had the best game. Offensively, he had five receptions for 88 yards. And then the Joku, too, had some big catches, uh, four receptions for 49 yards. And then on the Chiefs side, like I just said, Patrick Mahomes got hurt, but before he got hurt, he was 21 for 30, 255 yards and a touchdown. Dan, uh, Williams also as well went 13 carries for 78 yards. And Tariq Hill and uh, Kelsey both went for over 100 yards. Hill had eight receptions for 110 yards. Kelsey had eight receptions for 109 yards and a touchdown. Miko Harmon also as well showed up in this game with a uh, four catches and 58-yard receptions, and one was for 42 yards, I believe. Um, 
like I said, man, I feel like Cleveland really did show up in this game, man. They were the better team, in my opinion, until the, and the game is determined off of three or four plays. I mean, you know, it, that's really how it goes. That's, that's, that's not really a shocker to me. Just a few plays away from really upsetting the best team in the NFL right now. Patrick Mahomes, you know, was dizzy and stuff like that, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, but it looks like he's going to be good to go this week. But, I mean, I thought the Cleveland Browns did a better job than what I expected, but that also could be predicated, once again, on Patrick Mahomes not playing the full game. And then the last game of the weekend, the Buccaneers versus the Saints. This was another upset of mine. Um, I actually took the Saints, and the Buccaneers actually pulled it off, winning the game 30-20. to um, Drew Brees, probably final game in the NFL. Let's go over the stats real quickly. Tom Brady, he went 18 for 33, 199 yards, two touchdowns. Fournette rushed for 63 yards and 17 carries. Ronald Jones rushed for 13 yards and 62 carries. Um, Bray was the leading receiver with four receptions and 50, uh, 50 yards. And then Fournette was second with uh, 44 yards and five receptions. So, man, Mike Evans got put in, in jail again. He only had... One reception for three yards. Okay, so Marshawn Lynch really does play his best. Marshawn Lattimore, excuse me, really does play his best against Mike Evans. Um, anyway, on the Saints side of the ball, um, Drew Brees went 19 for um, 34, 134 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. I mean, he was he was bad. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. He was really bad. They got so bad to a point that they had to generate a play for Jameis Winston to score a 56-yard passing touchdown. Um, and that was the only throw of the game for him. Alvin Kamara got 18 carries for 85 yards. And then uh, Smith, who was really balling out all over the field, returning the ball and catching, he had three receptions for 85 yards. Um, let's talk about this game a little bit because Michael Thomas didn't have a catch at all for one. Um, I mean, the Buccaneers were the better team. They came out and they showed that they wanted more. That defense showed up. It was great to see Devin White back out there making plays. And – those guys just showed up, man. There was really nothing else about that. I was actually a little surprised. It was, you know what I'm saying? I, I was really surprised that the game was honestly that close. I thought it was going to be a pretty convincing win. Um, you know, not, you know, I thought, you know, six to ten points possibly. I think I said last week. But I thought, you know, for the most part that Tampa Bay was going to, you know, lose that game. And they really came out and fought. Brady kept fighting and that defense you know, fall. And they still put up 30 points on a really, really solid defense. Um, Drew Brees is probably done, which I think he should be. I think it's time to hang up those cleats. I think it's pretty much over for him at this point, And it should be after a performance like that. And, I mean, we're looking at it now. The Saints, four years in a row, they've dropped the ball. Besides that botch, you know, play call back in, you know, that, you know, pass interference back in 2018. Four years in a row where they've really came up short every single year after having a great season. 2017, it was the miracle. 2018, it was the, the you know, pass interference. 2019, the Minnesota Vikings, you know, eliminated them. And then this year, again, coming up short to a team in their division that they beat twice um, and pretty decidedly both times. So, you know, I think it's kind of time to end the era, man. I think it's time to, you know, call it quits for Drew Brees and move on from that, you know, chapter. Um and that's another question that's probably going to be for one of these June regular in the middle of the summer podcasts. Is the Saints window over? That's probably a, another a Super Bowl window. Is it over? That's another discussion that we're probably going to have to have. You know, not like I said, probably in the middle of the summer or something like that. But that's probably a conversation that we are going to have to have eventually. Um, because I think it kind of is. But like I said, different strokes for different folks. We'll talk about that more later on. Now, let's jump on into this weekend, man. 
first game of the weekend, which I believe all these games are on Sunday. Let me just make sure before I get up here lying to y'all. Yeah, so both games are on Sunday. The first game of the weekend is the Buccaneers heading over to Tampa Bay in this game. I mean, the Buccaneers heading over to Green Bay in this game. Probably going to be a cold game, 3 o'clock game in the snow. I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. This game is probably going to be, you know, a cold game. Now, I know Tom Brady is used to the cold, but those Tampa Bay boys, they never been this far in the playoffs. A lot of warm-weather guys. Um, I just think it's Green Bay's year, too. I just think it's their year. I think it's Aaron Rodgers' time. I just think it's their year. I'm taking Green Bay in this game, but I am going to tell you what both teams need to do to win the game. Kansas City, well, I mean, not Kansas City, Lord. Tampa Bay, what they need to do is, once again, what the Rams did not do, they never put Aaron Rodgers on his backside. Never did it. If you don't do that, you're not going to beat them. If you do not get pressure up the middle on Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to beat them. You're, you're just not. It's just it's just that. If you're not putting them on his rear end, nothing's really going to change. Um, another thing, too, as well. Devontae Adams has became one of the best wide receivers in the league. You know, he's going to have to be covered up good as well. I think also as well, another thing for Tampa Bay is you're going to have to utilize your run game more in this game. With it being cold, we know, you know, when it's cold outside, it is a little bit harder for, you know, guys to catch the ball, throw the ball, things, stuff like that. I think in this game you play ball control. Because it is Green Bay and their offense is so dynamic, you probably need to play ball control anyway. That's my opinion on it. I have Green Bay. Let me actually let me give Green Bay their side. Green Bay, I think for them, they're gonna have to honestly get pressure on Brady, which that's you know common sense, and also as well shut down those weapons, just like New Orleans did. New Orleans did a pretty good job actually shutting down like Mike Evans. Goodwin didn't have a great game, but shut down those weapons. I mean, you've seen New Orleans do it and get some pressure on Brady. That's the only thing that you know. New Orleans really didn't do that well, was get pressure on Brady. Um, but everything else, I mean, they did a pretty good job at, for the most part. It's just Drew Brees threw three picks. So when you throw three interceptions, it's pretty hard to win a game at that point. Um, you know, so obviously get some pressure and shut down those weapons. I think that's going to be huge. And also as well, just utilize the passing game. You've been so successful with that. Also as well, get Aaron Jones involved too in the passing game and run the ball with Aaron Jones. Get him, you know, doing both. So I think that's going to be important for them. I got Green Bay winning this game, and I got them winning pretty decidedly, man. I'm going to say something like 27 to 15, 14, something like that. 27 to 14, excuse me. Something like that, 27 to 10. I can see that. But I think Green Bay wins this game, and they go ahead and move on to the Super Bowl. And then the game after that that comes on that evening on Sunday is the Kansas City Chiefs against the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are coming into town. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, we've seen the reports that, you know, you know, he's doing well, he's doing better, which I already told y'all. Regardless if he wasn't doing good or not, he was going to be on that field for this AFC Championship game, and he's going to be there regardless. Um, but from what they're saying, you know, he's doing good, he's doing better. After him getting up being dazed, you know, it, it was scary to watch that, um, to see that young man in that type of circumstance. But it is good to see that he it looks like he's going to be all right, he's going to play this week. Um, for Kansas City, once again, it's not much for me to say. Be you. Be you and you win this game because you're the best team in the NFL right now. Be you, you win. 
For the Buffalo Bills, it's the same material that I've said against every team that's played the Chiefs this year. You are not going to be able to stop that team, but you have to slow the bleeding. You have to slow the bleeding down. You cannot get down 14 to nothing in the first three minutes of the game because it's going to be over. And even if you get up 21 nothing in the game, you've seen what happened to Houston last year. Do not let your foot off the gas. Please don't because those guys will come back. We've seen it before. They were down 24 to nothing last year and came back and won the game like 52 to 24. Um, do not give them a backdoor opportunity. Once again, it's not much you can really do to stop this team completely. All you can do is slow them down. Slow them down and every time you touch the ball, score. That's all you can really do to win this game because besides that, if you don't do that, you're more than likely going to lose. So that's just that. The Bills have the defense to do it, though. They have the defense to shut them down. Tredavis White is one of the best corners in the game. They have one of the best, you know, really defenses in the game. Um, it's going to be important for them to shut that down, man, because if not, it's going to be a long night for them. Also, as well, Josh Allen cannot be – because he didn't really play that great, in my opinion, in this last game. A lot of overthrown balls. You cannot give Kansas City extra opportunities to get that offense on the field like that. You cannot because they are going to make you pay. There's not an if, when, they're going to make you pay. Um, To me, I, I, think, I think the Chiefs win this game, man. I think it's close. I think their defense keeps them in this game. But I got the Chiefs winning this game. Something on the likes of like 24 to 21 or 24 to, you know, 20, something like that, 24 to 17. Somewhere in that ballpark is where I see this game being, in my opinion. Um, you know, and that's just me. Um, but that's kind of what I see in these games. And from what I'm seeing, it looks like we're looking at a Green Bay, Kansas City Super Bowl. If you haven't already, I need you to go ahead and follow me on Instagram, on my personal Instagram and Twitter at AO underscore T-Time 9. Then go ahead and follow me over at Talks with T-Time, the podcast on Instagram, and then on Twitter, follow us at Talks with T-Time P1. Houston, we got a problem. And his name is Deshaun Watson, and he's not really happy at this point. When we get back, let's talk about some trade options and what should happen. For Deshaun Watson, what should Deshaun Watson want? What team should want Deshaun Watson? Who puts together the best trade package for Deshaun? And what about the Carolina Panthers? Let's talk about that when we get back. Boy, Tony T-Time West, man, back at it again with another episode of Talks with T-Time. Y'all already know the deal, man. Go follow those socials at AO underscore T-Time 9, man. And then go ahead and follow the podcast page on Twitter. That's going to be at Talks with T-Time P1. And then go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Talks with T-Time Podcast, man. Appreciate you guys. Love and support. Now, as y'all know, I'm a huge Clemson Tiger football fan, man. And, you know, I grew up watching this guy. Really, since he was about, uh, we're, we're about the same age, 
I started watching Deshaun because Deshaun is a couple months younger than me. So I started watching Deshaun my junior year of high school, which would have been his sophomore year. Because even though we're close in age, he's a year behind me grade-wise. So I started watching Deshaun really in like 2011. Um, and, you know, he was already being kind of like recruited at that point by Clemson. So I was really interested. And I heard like he was doing great things down there. So I've been watching Deshaun really for now a decade. Um, and closely since he, you know, y'all know me. I'm a huge Clemson fan. So I've been watching him closely really for the last uh, 10 or so years. Um, and we got to talk about what's going on in Houston right now. Deshaun Watson, from what it sounds like, basically wants out at Houston, which he should. Um, because for one, nobody wants that job, apparently. From what a lot of people are saying that are in the know, nobody wants that job. They don't have any first-round picks. Um, you know, the culture apparently is really bad, um, from what everybody's telling me. And, you know, that's just that. And a lot of, of the teammates of Deshaun Watson and former teammates and former Houston legends have said, yeah, get out of here. Um... So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about the circumstance first. Deshaun Watson sounds like he basically wants out of Houston. He has not officially requested a trade, and the team has not openly came out and said he's open for trade. But, I mean, the writing's on the wall from what everybody's saying. Um, Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause in his contract. Now, let me explain that to you. Basically means Deshaun Watson can basically choose where he wants to get traded to. That's basically what that means at that point. Um... It's really a lose-lose situation for Houston if they don't retain him. Um, now, obviously, they have not hired their coach yet at this moment. This is being recorded on January 21st, 2021, so that could change between now and tomorrow, whatever the case may be, before this podcast drops. But they have not hired a coach yet. If they want to retain Deshaun Watson, their best bet is probably to hire Eric Bieniemy. Um, because if they do not do that, he's really probably gone for sure. Um, obviously, like I said, they didn't involve him in a Nick Casario hire at GM and he took that personal because they told him in his contract negotiations, I'm guessing that he would kind of have a say, which he is the most important player and really the whole mo most important person in that building period. Um, especially without them, you losing Nuke and, you know, losing Bill O'Brien. He is the most important person in that whole franchise at this moment. Um, and then the fact that he is, you know, not satisfied it's a big deal. Um, so let's talk about what I see. Okay, let's talk, let's talk about a few things. Let's talk about the Panthers. Let's jump into the Panthers first. Let's go ahead and get that out the way because I know that's what a lot of y'all, my listeners want to hear. The Carolina Panthers have a very good shot at getting Deshaun Watson. And here's why. The cap space. The Carolina Panthers have a ton of cap space. Honestly, they have a lot of younger guys, and there's a crap ton of cap space. Now, let's talk about the Panthers aspect of it real quick, because like I said, a lot of my listeners are Panther fans. Now, let's take the Panther aspect of it. The Carolina Panthers, I hear a lot of y'all reading off people that are untradeable. That's the word I keep hearing, untradeable for Deshaun Watson. And I'm going to tell you this right now. For a franchise quarterback that would probably, no offense to Cam, almost come in and be at, right at where Cam was in his MVP year or better, um, you know, 
you, you, everything's on the table. We cannot ride another year with Teddy B. That's just not happening. Um, so for somebody at that caliber, we've never seen this before. We've never seen a quarterback that is amazing, that is an MVP candidate possibly if he was on a good team. We've never seen this before. We've never seen a franchise quarterback in his prime be traded. We've never seen it before. It's never happened, especially after a huge contract being signed just a couple of months before. Um, in my opinion, what is it going to take to get Deshaun Watson? That's what a lot of teams want to know. What's going to take? I'm going to tell you from the Panthers' end of it, if it's me, I'm a low ball. I'm coming in. I'm gonna say, you know what? Let's give let's give two first and Teddy Bridgewater and see what they're saying. They're gonna obviously hang that phone up and say goodbye, right? Obviously. I think the most proposed pick that I keep hearing is three first rounds and Christian McCaffrey. And if if that happens, I think you do it. And I'm gonna tell you why I think you do it. Christian McCaffrey is a running back that's already breaking down. Let's be honest. He's been hurt this whole year. And I'm not trying to be rude or anything like that, and I hope he gets well. Christian McCaffrey, and he's a running back. Running backs don't last that long in the NFL anyway. You can go draft Javante Williams in the third round this year, and he can be just as good. You can get a running back. Running backs grow trees. Even though Christian McCaffrey is a different breed, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's not the best or the second best running back in the NFL. He is. But you can go get another running back is basically what I'm trying to say. The three first-round picks, let's look at it. The Panthers pick eight this year, right? The Panthers pick eight, which is already seeming like that's going to be a quarterback. Everybody always kind of penciled in quarterback at eight. So that one pick, if you get Deshaun, that take, care of, that take care of that. Let's just say in the second round this year, the Panthers go get an offensive tackle, which they do need. They need an offensive tackle badly. In the second, okay, in the second round, let's just say they do that in 2021. They take a second-round tackle. Now let's go to the first round of next year. Let's just say the Carolina Panthers, because I think if they if they get Deshaun Watson and do what I just said, I think they win nine games. I think they win nine to ten games probably the first year. If you's right, that puts them at the back of the draft. So even if you were going to get somebody, it's going to be, you know, back end of the draft more than likely. Now, the only year I could possibly see you being hurting for draft picks is that third year for, for that first round pick. But that's so far from now, we don't even know what that could be at that point. The Panthers might be a 12 and 14 picking at 24 or something like that. So let's just keep that in mind. Everybody's co complaining about picks. And that's the one thing, too, that I want to talk about. Panther fans are complaining about picks. But three weeks ago, you were just saying we need to win a Washington football team game, a meaningless game in December for the culture, for winning culture. But now you same people are complaining about, you guys are complaining about picks. But three weeks ago, it was just we need a win for culture. It's not good to take. But now you same people are complaining about picks because I'm going to be real with you guys. If the Carolina Panthers had the number three pick, which is what they would have had if we lost that game against Washington, at that point, I'm, I don't know if I'll be that thirsty for Deshaun Watson. I'd be like, yeah, if we get him, that's great, but we can get Zach Wilson or Justin Fields right there. So, to me, I think the Panthers got to go in with 
I think the best proposal is three firsts and Christian McCaffrey. Or either two firsts and Christian McCaffrey and maybe one mid-tier player like a, let's just say Robbie Anderson or something like that. If they do that, if they say, yeah, we'll do that, you hand them that stuff over and get Robbie and Christian McCaffrey and them two picks on a plane to Houston and go pick up Deshaun Watson, in my personal opinion. Now, let's jump into the next thing here. I keep hearing Panthers fans saying, DJ Moore is untradeable. This person is untradeable. This person is untradeable because they're part of the core. I'm going to tell you the only person I think that's on this team that is quote-unquote untradeable. For Deshaun Watson. And honestly, that's Brian Burns. He's the only person that is untradeable on this team. Because pass rushing is so important in this game. And he's starting to look like he's going to be one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He showed a lot of flashes last year, this past season. I think that's the only one. If they come saying we want DJ Moore, I'm I'm sorry. I'm handing DJ Moore. Oh, DJ Moore is not even a top 10 wide receiver. Not saying that he's bad. I think he's probably around 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that ballpark. But he's not the best wide. He's not. We don't even know this year, literally this year, a few weeks ago, two months ago, you guys were questioning, was Robbie Anderson wide receiver number one for the Panthers? So you think I'm not going to give up DJ Moore for Deshaun Watson? Yeah, the only person on this team that is untradeable, in my personal opinion, is Brian Burns. That's it. Everybody else can get traded at any time. Now, let me jump into these other teams that I think should be throwing their name in the hat. I think the Jets probably have the most collateral to get Deshaun Watson. They have two picks in the first round this year. I think they have two picks in the first round next year as well. They have two picks in the second round, I believe, this year as well. They could definitely make a push at Deshaun. Also as well, it's already been rumored that he likes Miami. He likes what Brian Flores is doing, and they have the draft collateral as well. Miami is definitely a place that could definitely go after him. Now, I don't think I would give up on two of that quick, but I'm going to be honest. If Deshaun Watson is willingly saying, hey, I want to be a part of your franchise, Tua, hit the road, Jack. I'm sorry, because I at least know what I'm going to get out of Deshaun. So, in my personal opinion, I think they need to be calling. I think the Indianapolis Colts need to be getting on the phone. Even though he's in the division, they should be calling because they are a very talented team. Defensive-wise, they're already basically set. Offensive line, they have one of the best offensive lines in the country. They need to be calling Deshaun Watson at this point. I'm going to tell you another team that needs to be calling Deshaun Watson. The Chicago Bears need to be getting on the phone calling Deshaun Watson as well. I think they are a quarterback away. Like, if you're, if you're the Bears, you throw everything. Four first rounds if you need to. Because they're already just a step away from being a very elite team. They just need a quarterback. That's it. They get a quarterback, they're going to be a very, I'd probably say one more wide receiver. Because Allen Robinson's probably going to walk. They probably need a wide receiver as well. Um, but then you would think if they get Deshaun Watson, Allen Robinson might be more inclined to staying in Chicago. Um, but we got to see how that deal works out with him and Nagy. Um, in my personal opinion, Chicago should be blowing up his phone line right now as well. And then one more team I think that should be blowing up his phone line, well, two more. I think the 49ers need to be blowing up his phone line because they're another team that is just one quarterback away. 
from being a really good team. They already have good wide receivers. They have the second best tight end in the league. They have one of the best offensive linemen in the league when fully healthy. They have one of the best defense alignment in the league. That could be a win-now situation for Deshaun Watson. Another team that probably needs to be blowing up his phone. Actually, I'll get into that in a minute. But they're actually, I'll go ahead and get into it now. That's actually the team I would choose if I was Deshaun Watson. If I was in his feet, in his shoes, as much as I, you know, like to see the Panthers do good and all that stuff, I, I, if I was him, 49ers is where I'm going. Because they're in win-now mode. And then one more person or team that they need to be that needs to be calling that phone is the Steelers. And the Washington football team, too, actually. But the Steelers probably need to be calling his phone as well. Even though they just signed Dwayne Haskins today. So that was the next bit of news I was going to jump into. Dwayne Haskins is heading to Pittsburgh. Low-risk type of high-reward type understanding. So I get what they're doing there with Mike Tomlin. And maybe Mike Tomlin can turn him around. Who knows? But he's going to Pittsburgh. But maybe even them. Maybe they should be getting on the phone with Deshaun Watson. But now that seems a little bit more unlikely since they just signed you know, Dwayne Haskins. So those are the couple of teams I think that should be blowing up, you know, Deshaun Watson's phone. I heard a lot of people saying the Patriots and the, and the Saints and these teams that are in cap hell. Uh, the Falcons, he can come back to Atlanta Metro. Like, these teams are in cap hell. Y'all are not getting Deshaun Watson, bro. He's got too much money on the books. It would be a lot of rearranging that has to be done for him to even be thought about going to those places. But if it's me, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm going to San Francisco, bro. I think that's the best scenario is if you go to San Francisco, in my personal opinion. That's where I would want to go if I was in his personal opinion. Either San Francisco or the Dolphins. And then I would probably say the Panthers, probably third on that list. But that's me. That's where I would want to go. Jets... You know, I like Robert Sala, and I think he's going to be a good coach for the Jets, and I really hope he changes the culture for the Jets as well. But, I mean, this, he's a first-time head coach. Let's be honest here. We have to be realistic. He's a first-time head coach. So we don't know what he's going to be. We don't know. So let's just see how that pans out first. But if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm probably going to San Francisco in that scenario. Honestly, I'm probably going to San Francisco. Phillip Rivers also decided to retire this week after 17 years of NFL football. Um, obviously, he has nine kids at home, so he's going to finally you know, be home with them in Alabama. I think he's going to be a coach, I want to say. I think he's going to be a head coach at a high school in, um, in Alabama, so that's cool. Um, but, yeah, he's going to be doing that. Um, I think, you know, you know, this is probably going to be, once again, one of those in the middle of the summer discussions, but does Phillip Rivers deserve to be a Hall of Famer? That's probably going to be a discussion that we're going to have to have eventually. You know, um, maybe, like I said, it's probably going to be a middle of the summer type discussion possibly. But, you know, it's, it's a good question because I feel like he's kind of a borderliner because he didn't win a lot. He didn't win a lot. And that's, that's that you got to, you know, that goes against the grain when you don't win a lot. Um, and you don't win and get to, Conference championships and Super Bowls, that, that plays a part. As much as people want to downplay it, it does play a part in your Hall of Fame, you know, path. It does, regardless if we like it or not. 
If you haven't already, go ahead and follow me at Talks with T-Time, the podcast on IG. And then follow uh, the podcast page on Twitter at Talks with T-Time P1. And then you can follow me on my socials, personal ones, at AO underscore T-Time 9. Y'all love that Ain't Worth the Nothing Award, but boy, I got some good ones for y'all this week. When we come back, we're jumping into the last segment of the podcast. Ain't Worth the Nothing Award. What did Tennessee do that wasn't worth a nothing? We'll get to it when we get back, man. Talk to T-Time the Podcast. What is up, you guys? It's your boy, Tony T-Time West, on the final segment of Talks with T-Time, the podcast. Man, appreciate you guys' love and support. Y'all know the drill, man. Go ahead and follow the socials at AO underscore T-Time 9. That's on Instagram and Twitter. And then follow the podcast page socials as well. Talks with T-Time P1 on Twitter and then on Instagram. Talks with T-Time, the podcast, man. All right, let's go ahead and jump into my favorite segment of the podcast in the last segment of the podcast, the Ain't Worth a Nothing Award segment of the podcast. Man, I got to give y'all an update. (laughs) So let's jump into the first Ain't Worth a Nothing segment of the podcast. So last week, y'all guys remember how I told y'all about the guy had said that the baby mama had cheated and the wife actually, excuse me, the wife had cheated on him and had a kid by another man. So, the same guy is actually winning the Ain't Worth a Nothing Award of the Week. He has now recanted that story and basically went on and said, I lied and I just wanted to get some attention and some clout and I was mad at my wife or baby mother at the time, but the kid really is mine. Dude, for one, you really sold... Your your family out, your wife out, who was apparently getting death threats um, as well, um, which is unnecessary for cheating. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's horrible to cheat, but she shouldn't be getting death threats from complete strangers. Um, but anyway, getting death threats and stuff like that, and you did all that and possibly could have costed you your family for some clout. Um, dude, I'm sorry. You don't get any you don't get any respect from me on that end. Uh the guy that faked that his wife had a kid on him by another man, you ain't worth for nothing, man. And you get the ain't worth for nothing of the week because that's just childish and that's just dangerous. That's a dangerous game to play with. Um obviously, you know, you ruined your wife's reputation momentarily, and that's just unex that's just not smart. And you know, you could have possibly ruined your family. You know, you have a kid now that we know and everybody else knows is yours and you could have possibly ruined that um just for some clout for some internet clout and some attention so he obviously gets ain't worth a nothing award of the week now second ain't worth a nothing award a week (laughs) is going to go to the tennessee football team the tennessee university football team gets the ain't worth a nothing award of the year And here's why. So, apparently, Tennessee was illegally recruiting athletes. I mean, let's let's cut to the crap for one. Every school illegally recruits. Let's just be completely honest. Every school illegally recruits. Every school. Every. (laughs) 
I don't want to hear. It's just, it's about who gets caught. Honestly, that's really what it's about. Who gets caught? But all of these schools are cheating. All of them. Bama, Georgia, Clemson, all, Florida State. Everybody's cheating, bro. It's about who's getting caught. But anyway, let me read you what was going on with Tennessee and how they got caught. So, apparently, in the details, I'm going to read this word for word. <laughs> this is crazy. And it costed Jeremy Pruitt his job. At first, I didn't know why he had got fired. But now I know why. Um, Jeremy Pruitt was fired due to a scandal. Listen to what this says. The details of the investigation are yet to be released, but Dan Patrick has proved and provided some wild reportings from his sources. He has said on his show that Tennessee gave recruits McDonald's bags filled with cash on campus when they came on visits. In terms of way for the program to combust, this is completely comical. They said they had put hundreds of thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars in McDonald bags on campus where people could see it. A lot of reports were stating that Tennessee got quote unquote sloppy with recruiting. Rules have been broken by plenty of other college football programs in the past, but this one is one of the most Massive expressions of massive violations in recent memory. That's what Dan Patrick said. They have now lost four of their best players in the transfer portal. So guys are leaving left and right after Jeremy Pruitt get fired and also as well after the allegations have came out because those guys, they're probably going to get death penalty, honestly. So... Sophomore running back Eric Gray has transferred out. Also as well, fifth-year senior Jamar Johnson has transferred out. And then sophomore linebackers, one from Charlotte, Quavarius Crotch, and also as well Henry Totui have also transferred out. So they're basically, you could argue on here, they're three of their best, you know, players on the team in really all four. Johnson's pretty valuable to them too. But Gray and Tototui, whatever his name is, are probably the more valuable. And Crotch as well. He had 85 tackles this year as an outside linebacker for the Tennessee Vols. This program could possibly see death penalty or the closest thing to it at this point. Jeremy Pruitt's career is probably for a while, probably over, um, and could be over potentially forever. Um, come on, man. Handing out money, you know, on okay. – in a McDonald's bag, bro. Like, are you really thinking at this point? Like, what is your deal? Like, I, I don't know what their deal is. But anyway, Tennessee, you get ain't worth nothing a week award this week because that's just, I don't know what y'all were thinking. That just was not smart at all. Jeremy Pruitt, you deserve to be fired if you was going to do something that stupid. I think their AD got fired too. So I think they completely like cleaned out house. Um, so yeah, ain't worth nothing a week award goes to Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt. I hope they can change that around, but they got people decommitting left and right. They got people hitting the transfer portal left and right. So hey, we'll see, man. That's just what it is. Listen, ain't worth nothing. One of the best segments 
on any podcast, man. Listen, if you haven't already, go ahead and follow the podcast pages. Y'all know what the deal is. And listen, Talk Speed Time, the podcast, man. 2021, we're taking it off to another level, man. If you haven't already, go ahead and follow those social medias. And uh, we appreciate you guys' love and support. And uh, we're going to sign off for the night. We'll see y'all next week.